Welcome to the Serie A Show. Hello again. We are back for the third installment of the Serie A Show. Chloe, Nima, how are you two doing? Fine, thank you. I, uh, I'm an Inter fan, so I love everything that comes in three. <laughs> well, you know what? We were initially going to start with Fiorentina first, but hey, let's start there. Um, wow. They pulled that one um, out of their ass. <laughs> and lo and behold, uh, their victory came courtesy of Yuri Kuchka. I don't know what he was thinking there, um, but it's very telling that they score there. Nima, honestly, they didn't look like they, they looked like that match could have been played for five hours and then they still wouldn't have scored a goal. Um, but in the end, they do get the crucial goal. Um, the first half was awful. Uh, it was a continuation. It was terrible. It was a continuation yes. of everything we, we saw. And I did not see them. And, and Gervinho, when he, when he cuts in there and hits the bar, I, I mean, I don't know what will happen, but I mean, think about it. I mean, if that, that could have been Spalletti's job right there. I mean, he was one, one, one shot in the upright away from getting sacked, uh, pretty much. Uh, and one Gervinho shot uh, of getting sacked, uh, in the, hitting the crossbar. But in the second half, I mean, he, 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 what I, I mean, as I said last week, I wanted to see Inter, um, show that they, they, they are still behind Spalletti. And I think in that second half, they really did show that because, Inter dominated that second half. Uh, they they looked well uh, in the in the in the in how they build that play. But then the crossing the crossing is just oh my god! It's it's just unbearable to watch the quality of the poor deliveries. Uh, but then when Lautaro Martinez came on, um, Inter you know it was it was it's really interesting to see how how well he he really is that missing jigsaw in in some games because he likes to drop in deep and with Icardi who does who does nothing except mark the uh, the the opponent's defenders for ninety minutes and try to score tap ins. The, the the you know you need to have that player that to, that links up between the midfield and and, and the and the uh, attack and 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 you you saw that with with Lautaro when he when you know the assist he made for for um, Vecino who missed an open goal. Um, no, he he, he was he, he looked like he's hungry. He looked like he wanted to play, like he wanted to play football, like he, he like he was happy and and that that is. Um, that was uh, that was pretty. Uh, no, I was I was I was really happy to see, to see to to see that that second half, especially Raja, uh, playing somewhat looking like the player Inter thought they had signed, and uh, he his his comments afterwards I found really funny that he's changed his lifestyle. He's realized that after thirty, you know you you can't go drinking as often or as much or whatever it was he was trying to refer to. I don't know. It was it was but but, but that, that all of that kind of. How felt in the shadows because Spalletti then uh, <laughs> Spalletti then uh, threw a curve ball at the Inter directors and basically said that you know uh, Inter have um, they have an, they have an issue there there's a there's a, there's a problem with Icardi and they need to resolve resolve that as soon as possible. It seems strange to me that he would make those comments towards somebody who has the power to sack him. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you think I you'd understand. be nice to that to that person, <laughs> but but the thing is with Spalletti, I, in his defence here, and I and I and I am playing devil's advocate here a little bit, and I think I think what he was trying to do is that I mean it's clear that Icardi that that, that the dressing room and most the the big the most most of that dressing room is behind Icardi. And when that dressing room shows up for him the way they did in that second half, I think that's his way of kind of showing solidarity that if you, you know, you help me, I help you. Uh, and that he, he he was backing up the players because at the end of the day, whether he gets sacked or not, it's not Marotta and Steven Zhang on the pitch. It's that dressing room that have to do it for him. Yeah. So I think that's why he, he lined himself with him. But, but I mean, as you said, it, it, it's, the, the logic is... Yeah, <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate here, and I think that's what it's, he's doing. Um, but... It's Spalletti logic. That's what it is. <laughs> it's Spalletti logic, indeed. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And it was a yeah, big... Thought... Sorry, Chloe. It, I mean, it was a massive three points. Um, Roma had won, Milan had won, and again, we mentioned it um, in the previous week, but had they lost or had they dropped points 
even if they had gotten the draw, I mean, they were in serious trouble um, of, again, pulling themselves into this race with Milan and Roma. Yeah, and uh, Inter, that, that it was, I, I don't think we can underestimate what an important win uh, or an, like overestimate what an, what, how important those three points were because it completely turns the narrative around. And, and, it, and it does so on so many levels in terms of like you see, I mean, Raja playing well, the team looking like he, they're, they're still behind Spalletti and all the, if, if you notice, all the nonsense about losing the dressing room stuff has just disappeared because it was very clear. Uh, I got exactly what I wanted. Um, I, I wanted to see them... Um, I wanted to to see them uh, show that they, the same way that Roma showed that they were they were behind Di Francesco. I wanted Inter to show that they were behind uh, Spalletti, and they did that. The players really did that. Now, whether or not you know Raja Nainggolan or or his performance was just a flash in the pan or the beginning of something something uh, something more something more permanent, well, we'll just have to wait and see. But. But I think uh, the, the more pressing issue is uh, with Inter right now is 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 the is a woman named Wanda who decided after the game to go on a TV show late last night, uh, the day after the game, and talk about and say something that is that is just completely. It's it's as if this woman does not want peace and quiet at Inter <laughs> because if you sit on if you sit on a TV show and say that, you know, I want Inter to protect in Mauro much more. Uh, there's a lot of lies that have come out about him, such as him getting a fine or that he watched the Boca River uh, Copa Libertadores final with Auxilio and Zanetti, which he didn't. Now, why that is is a, is a horrible lie that everyone needs to care about is is is, is beyond. I think me, she's I think she's the kind mind. of person that's completely addicted to drama. I think that that's been the, <laughs> yeah, the running yeah. theme to her personal life. She just she just loves it, and that, I think. You know, probably a player like Icardi could do without that in his career, but that's the choice he's made. Yeah. So, but I think, but I think it's it's both of them because when then she ends it with saying, with saying that I one not 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 me or not we. She 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 actually she says very very words this very carefully. One doesn't know if these malicious stories come from inside <laughs> or outside the club. I mean. <laughs> 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 what is wrong with you? Is my like that is my first reaction? Is that what? I mean, the thing is, I I mean, in all honesty, I think we all know that what this is about, and and this is this is basically that she, you know, ever since Beppe Marotta came in, he's been trying to change Inter. He he's got this crazy notion that the football club in a football club comes first, <laughs> not not the captain or the players, and he's trying to impose that, and and the Icardi's. Or as I like to call them, the Argentinian Kardashians are not big fans of this, uh, and and but this is a war that they're going to lose um, because Steven Zhang and Suning and and Beppe Marotta are in com- are in completely on the same wavelength in terms of everything, and if she and and I and if she continues this, if it's not already too late, it will be too late because this is a war she won't win uh, because um, you can't sack. Like they they can't get a better director. I mean, after Sabatini's been there, there's been so many people in and out of that. They can't get a better better director than than than, than Marotta right now uh, in in the stage that they are in. And they they and I don't see them doing that either. So I think that either she, you know, like you said, either, either Miss Drama, you know, gets her kicks by, you know, uh, hanging, you know, by, by fighting with her ex husband Maxi. Or or she or she or she and he she and her husband, current husband are, are going to have to leave the club because it's this is not working anymore. A lot of people are yeah. tired of it. Yeah, I think I think going back to the the weekend and the result, I think the most important thing was that Inter have played badly and lost so many times that to play not brilliantly and win was really important to show that. They could do it. They did have the tenacity to pull it off, even though it was a struggle. It was difficult. Things didn't flow beautifully as as they might have hoped. But I think from there they can use it as a platform to try and improve their performances. That they've they've got the win. They've eased the pressure, and now um, they can have a look at starting to play better. Um, for me, one of the problems seems to be that uh, Nangolan and Jao Mario naturally wanted to play in the same area of the pitch and they were getting in each other's way. Um, 
and you know things like that they can probably iron out they're probably not too huge a problem and and it's just it's just a little building block i think to that's stop the rot before it's it's got ridiculously out of hand and i think that was just more important for them because they needed that i mean with the drama that was happening if they would have found themselves you know essentially dragged down into this race with um with roma and milan i mean who knows what what else could spiral out of control Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I mean, Inter aren't a normal club either, because I mean, it's like it's like dog years. One one like, like one human year is seven to fourteen dog years. Uh, one human year is about twenty five Inter years. <laughs> so there's a lot that can happen between in just a few days. And and you know, Marotta went out today again and said that I I've spoken to Spalletti to clarify the situation. Um, I, I just think, uh, you know, this, this, this is basically, this, this football club has always been like this. But I like the direction they're going. And, and Marotta and, and Suning are trying to change uh, this this craziness that, that the Inter have always been known for and, and, and trying to level the ship uh, and keep it like normal and not in the media and, and, and talk to each other like that. But whether they succeed or not, you know, we'll see. But Marotta, he, he certainly looks like he's aged 35 years in the two months he's been there. I mean, soon I feel like it's, it's, it's been it's not been an easy start uh, for him. Yeah. And while that match was close, we had a lot of lopsided results. Roma hammered Kievo, Juve hammered Sassuolo um, in a match that I, I sort of half-heartedly joked about it. Um Berardi, I feel like that was the first time he played against Juve in his entire <laughs> career. Um, he he always seems to be injured when they when they come up against each other. Milan, uh, they hammered Cagliari three zero. Um, Chloe, your Fiorentina, I thought were without question the most unlucky side of the weekend. I thought they deserved that against Napoli. You think so? I I read a lot of people said they thought it was that it was pretty even, but. I I thought they deserved it, but maybe I was thinking that was my bias. <laughs> um, and you got your your wish fulfilled. Um, a, a, a one Brian Dabo. Um, yes, yes, I did. Um, he wasn't actually in his normal position. Um, just a disclaimer for anybody who thought that that was the best that he could give. Um, he was brought in as a sort of a makeshift right back. Um, so it wasn't a position that I wanted to see him in, um, just in front of the defence. But he did give a very good account of himself, I thought, um, especially as he was out of position, like actually quite a few of them were um, with problems, injuries and so forth in defence. Yeah, um, I mean, that defence was entirely makeshift. It really I mean, was. That, that's worth noting. Yeah, and then at, right at the end when Petzala got injured and uh, we'd already made three subs and, you know, he was clearly hurt but he went to the touchline and he told Pioli that he didn't want to go off because he knew that would mean the side were down to 10 men um, and he played he played up front and Dabo went in at centre-back so it was a really um, gutsy and a heroic performance um, you know against a, a strong team like Napoli and to keep it not only to keep a clean sheet but to have chances to score and win the match I think they did ever so well um I don't think Napoli are working quite as they should I think they're going through a bit of a difficult patch with Ancelotti um but nonetheless um it was it was Fiorentina showed their fighting spirit and that's great to see for a team that are so young um that they will that they will go out and and do battle and do what's necessary when things aren't really going their way and Nima, I know you said you you like this guy, and Chloe, you mentioned you like him as well. But as you mentioned, the the formation was a bit different. There were some injuries at the back. But one thing I found interesting was he opted um, Pioli opted for Muriel as the as the striker with uh, Jetson Chiesa alongside of him. Um, mm-hmm. What do you make of Simeone? Because I I just find it fascinating what they're going to do with him um personally i kind of liked when they put muriel a bit more out wide he always seems to always seems to do well in that wide forward position but i'm curious what do you think they need to do with him he's he's a problem at the moment um 
you know, he, in his first season, uh, his his main strong point I thought was that he was so um, bullish. You know, he was he he would. Um, he didn't seem to have a care in the world. He'd, he scored 14 goals, um, which isn't the highest tally, but it's it was still a good return in his first year. And he there were games where he was strong. He scored with powerful headers. He just had this confidence about him. But this season, since he's not really been scoring, he's, he's been drained of all this confidence. And, you know, I don't know... I don't know. I mean, obviously he scored two goals against Roma, but that was a kind of a different situation because the game was already won. Um, but he, I don't know what Pioli is going to do to bring the old Simeone back. Um, and now we have Muriel. It's hard, you know, they, they can't drop Muriel. He's, he's playing so well. The same with Chiesa. Oh, he's so, incredible. Yeah. So. It's it's going to be an interesting one to see if they cut their losses and sell him at the end of the season, or if they try and revive him. At the moment, he's not going to be at his top value because he's just not playing well enough. So I think I think in my I mean in my, in my opinion I, I I honestly think that Simeone I I mean the, the, his style is this kind of. Um, almost like a tenacious defensive midfielder. Yeah. Like he runs a lot, he fights a lot. Um, uh, but and but he's out of form right now, and he's a young player. But I I honestly think that against Napoli, um, who 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 play a four four two, who have fantastic wide players, I think it's a it's a clever decision not to play Muriel on 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 the wing, but instead kind of use him more centrally as they did. I think from a tactical point of view, you know, disregarding irrespective of if Simone is in form or not. But I think I think my you know Chiesa Muriel on the wings and then Simeone up front is 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 a really really good um, is a, is how I think they they will play. And I think because it gives them so much movement, it gives them so much. Uh, it's it's such a fluid attack, uh, and then you have the 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 skill, just just the skill. Uh, of of Muriel and, and Chiesa, which is genuinely fantastic to watch. Um, I I was uh, I was a bit surprised uh, by the amount of goals missed by both teams. I mean, uh, Fiorentina played well, p- played better than Napoli, but Napoli missed far more chances that should have been that should have been scored than Fiorentina did. It, w- it was a weird game. I, I I did not expect them these teams to to miss so many sitters, and especially Napoli. Oh, it was the nil nil was so deceptive because it was. So- so entertaining, even though it was yeah. ended without a yeah, goal. It, it you really know? was not. The nil-nil does not really reflect uh, what happened. Uh, but it's so many chances, and Milik and Insigne especially, just completely missing so many sitters. Um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of this 4-4-2 that, that he's playing, uh, Ancelotti. I, I don't think Napoli... You know, he, he, I don't think Napoli come to their right um, when when because given the amount of... Uh, um, uh, about a midfield, central midfield talent they have. Um, I, I honestly don't don't like it. But I mean, Ancelotti, you know, after Sarri, I think you know you have to you know d- develop in one way or one 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 direction or another. And Ancelotti's chosen this. But I think one interesting thing is that he is rotating now. I remember last season, everyone was you know ha- attacking. Uh, Sarri about why don't you rotate? Why don't you rotate? Well, Ancelotti is rotating now, and they have eight less points than they did at this point last season, and they're out of the Coppa Italia and the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, and well, <laughs> since since the there were there weren't many great matches this past weekend. I mean, Lazio squeezed one out against Empoli. Obviously, we just discussed Fiorentina Napoli. Uh, Bologna, Genoa, that was, I don't know why I subjected myself to that. Um, Atalanta <laughs> barely beat Spal. Uh, Torino, 1-0 against Utenese. I think we have to discuss, I mean, I know this is a Serie A show, but I would love to discuss Maurizio Sarri. Um, what, a, what a weird situation he is in. I mean, I'm a little puzzled because you would have thought that most Chelsea supporters and just, you know, Premier League fans in general would have understood that. I, I, I mean, I think it's common sense that his football takes some time. Um, I think there's a lot of players there who don't fit what he likes to do, particularly in attack. What do you two make of his situation? Because I, I just find it bizarre. 
So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks that. Maybe you two disagree. No, no, I, no. I, I was expecting this, to be honest. I mean, if you look at how... I mean, I don't... If you look at the net spend that Chelsea did uh, this season, and I don't count the Pulisic, Pulisic signing because he is not... You know, he was in January and he's not going to come to the team until next season. So that is another 60, 70 million euros gone. So it's 150 million spent. But if you look at the net spent, they've only spent 100 million euros net. And 80 million was a forced signing of Kepa, the goalkeeper, because of the Courtois situation. So the only really play, so, so the only player they they actually really went went big for to bring to play Sari football was Jorginho, the man now, who's been hammered more than Sarri anybody football. I've ever seen before from Premier League Twitter. I, yeah, which it, yeah, but that, that that to me is just you know you know how in you know Serie A fans make you know make fun of Premier League fans calling them prem faces, and 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 how they they, they just don't but. And and they're kind of like I think validating that prejudice against them because Jorginho is is not is a very good footballer. The problem is that you know is that you need to have the other ingredients in the soup to to make this the sari soup needs a lot of you know needs specific ingredients. You can't just have one one of those ingredients as an expected to work, and and that is the issue here. He they only gave him Jorginho and expected. Uh, Fabregas and all the others to to work. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you look at the kind of football again, the the managers they've had, the three last managers, Benitez, Mourinho, Conte, and Sarri. You want you mind telling me what exactly those three have in common in terms of football ideology? <laughs> I mean, because I don't see absolutely I mean, missing. I don't think. <laughs> so I mean, and and the only player they've given him to play that kind of football is Jorginho, which is important, absolutely. But the rest is isn't there, and and he he's not a magician. Um, and, and 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 then again, people hammer on about him not playing, as in as if what's his name, the young player, the English young player, Hudson oh, Hudson Adoy. Hudson Adoy. Yeah, as if he's yeah, as if he's yeah, play him as if he's going to be some sort of messiah shifting things around. If you read, if you read, if you if you if you listen to what. Chelsea fans want. I mean, what? It's it's just not going to happen. David Luiz, Marcos Alonso, you know these these players. Uh, you know he doesn't have a Koulibaly. He doesn't have a Kaijon in senior Mertens. I mean, look now he finally has Higuain on loan. They they brought Higuain and Kovacic on loan, and but 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 still that, that takes time. And we all know you know that players on loan have uh, you know that 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 could you know the fact that they're there not permanently could have an impact whether or not they you know how they perform and how much they take in what the manager wants them to do and 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 and, and I I mean there's no Hamshik there's no Alan there's no you know there's there's so many of the, these character players that he needs that aren't there um but and and if you compare to for example and I think the, the the coach that is most similar to him in terms of how he wants to play and needs his is those ingredients to play that is Pep Guardiola but if you but then you have a completely different situation there he's gotten everything he's Yeah wanted and let's not forget him. that he struggled um, massively in his first season at Manchester City his first season exactly remember that yeah, they this, finished fourth or something the style of play takes time it it doesn't just magically happen otherwise everybody would be doing it 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 seems ridiculous to me absolutely <laughs> couldn't agree more and i continue to see several tweets about Jorginho. well he doesn't get any assists and then i just i pound my head in my <laughs> hand and i i just like i i i, I just I, I don't even know what to say. Think, you don't even have to have watched. Just Google yeah. it. Just I, I mean, just Google it. This guy has never had more than four assists in his entire career in a season. So you're not going to get a bundle of I just, assists. I think there's that a, a, his a, even Rio Ferdinand said the same thing, that he doesn't give any assists. So even so, somebody who is supposed <laughs> to be in the know about the game, that he doesn't understand the basic position of Regista. And that's not... That's not what that role is set up for but are we oh. are we are we are we surprised that Rio Ferdinand oh. does not understand the Regista role because I'm some of the other things he said I mean, has been, sorry, been okay in the past I thought but th that just completely baffled me yeah. yeah no I understand what you mean I mean no but this but in all seriousness I mean he uh, 
I don't under it, it's like when you compare I think I think if you if you can make a comparison you have to do a, you do do a fair comparison and 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 compare with Guardiola during his first season and and because they play the similar kind of football and then look at what he was given in terms of net spend and the players he wanted and 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 also the players he got where you know Higuain came in January he's he had Aguero already there um you know David Silva was already there you know, there's so much. If you want to play, like you said, you know, without quoting Mourinho too much, but that when he says football heritage, I think it's really, 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 it's true in this case. If you want to play that kind of football, you have to have those kinds of players, and 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 they don't Chelsea, and 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 the fact that it got off to such a good start in the beginning is 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 is, is yeah. just surprising I, more than anything. No, I was just going to say that um, when the initial rumours came out when he was still at Napoli that Chelsea wanted him. Um, a site that I write for that just talks about managers um, asked me to write about Sarri and what Chelsea could expect from him. So I wrote this article and I said, if they bring in Maurizio Sarri, they will have to be aware that A, he will need time to implement his football because it's a very specific system. It needs very specific players. And without those things, it won't work. And the second thing I said was that they have to expect that he's cantankerous. He's not he's not um media friendly like Pep Guardiola is. He's not you know, he's not got this sunny disposition. <laughs> and everybody at the end of the the match uh, yesterday is like, Oh no, he didn't shake Pep's hand. No, that's Maurizio Sarri. That's just how he is. And you know, it's it the lack of understanding of who Maurizio Sarri is it really annoys me that they you know people are saying oh well it you know it was it was bound to not work out because Serie A is so much weaker than the Premier League it's fine to be good in, in Serie A um, but it couldn't come to the Premier League oh. it's, it's a lack of basic understanding that it's it's not the same thing at all that that's that's just not that's just not an argument because Sarri had everything he needed at Napoli. He built it over a while. And it's it's Chelsea that have raised these expectations. You know, people are seeing clips of Sarismo, Sarri football on Twitter and like, oh, this is what we're going to get at Chelsea. No, you're not. Not straight away. Not unless you're prepared to have patience. And Chelsea just do not have that. No, no, they don't. And 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 what they don't seem to have is a coherent plan of what they want to do at their football club and what they want to do. I mean, now they've had you've had Antonio Conte, who who's a world class manager. Then then you you know before that you had Mourinho, who plays a completely different kind of football. Then you have Benitez before that, who plays another kind of football. And then, and then you bring Sarri into this, and you just expect everything to work. And on top of that, you have an owner who doesn't want to, who wants the club to be self sufficient and not not spend money. I mean, you know, what do you what It's do you a expect? recipe for I mean, disaster, it really is. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what do you expect him to do? I mean, I mean, you have to understand, a simple Google search will tell you that Maurizio Sarri is cranky. He's not a very nice character. When he gets angry, he can say precisely everything. I mean, he called the current manager of the Italian national <laughs> team an, an effing fag for crying out loud yeah. during a game. I mean, it's, and he apologized for it after, but that's the character you've got. As you said, do research into who you're bringing in. You know, you, you, you can't bring in this guy and, ex, you know, and, and, and expect him, you know, uh, you, you can't, you, you know, you can't expect uh, an elephant to be a giraffe. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, he, he is who he is. I mean, and the media, the media love to, the English media in particular, love a scapegoat. So that scapegoat, and everybody who, who reads it buys into it completely. They love, oh, it's Sari and Jorginho, that it's their fault, you know, and, and they're not looking at the bigger picture of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, the amount of Sari fraud tweets I've seen over the last few days are just absolutely absurd. Um, and it's funny that you have... Pep Guardiola after the match saying that these things take time. It's unrealistic for him to come in and play his kind of football immediately. You would think that would resonate louder than, you know, most other things people are saying, but I don't know. It, it seems to have fallen on deaf ears. Um, unfortunately, because I, I, I mean, I do think he's a very good manager. I don't know how anybody who had watched, uh, Napoli over these last few seasons could could argue otherwise. Well, that doesn't happen by accident. That's that he's 
created he created that Napoli like nobody else had done that before him you know that was his his work and his creation and and you know he did great work before that at Empoli um but to expect somebody so precise to work well in different circumstances is just ridiculous so now we will move to Roma with an eye towards the Champions League where the odds of me being happy um remain to be seen if (laughs) If it's it's either going to be a seven one <laughs> or something similar to what we've seen against Barcelona, so there's no middle ground. Um, <laughs> so again, they hammered Kievo at the weekend. I have no idea what to expect. As we're recording this, it was just announced that Rick Karsdorp is going to miss the match. So that means my good friend Alessandro Florenzi will be uh, starting it right back. Yikes. Following John is is just just the Florenzi tweets are worth it, you know. <laughs> it is it is the the level like I I it's like the level of the, the, the like gallows humor when when he's playing a right back is I um brilliant. People think I do this as if I hate the guy or something. This is it's not personal whatsoever. In fact, I've met Florenzi twice. He's a fantastic guy, but. As a footballer, I, he's somehow not rated by people yet overrated at the same time. It's mm. it's the it's the most curious thing. Um, I don't know what to make of him. So he's going to start it right back. I don't think he's a right back. I don't think he's an attacker. I don't know if he's a midfielder either. I don't even know what he is, but uh, he will be there. Patrick Sheik uh, was lost to injury as well against Kievo. So Roma, uh, like Fiorentina at the weekend, um, they're probably going to have some sort of makeshift attack because they're missing so many names. What are you guys expecting from them? Because again, maybe it's because I, I support them that I have no idea what to expect. No, I think it's, it's the same for me. It's like you need a crystal ball really because um, they, they, they seem to lurch from one thing to another from disaster to being good. And, you know, I'm not sure that there's much middle ground at the moment. Um, you know, the win at the weekend could be a good sign, but you just, at the moment, it's just too difficult to tell. Um, one thing I did uh, see today and that I really, really liked was that um, Daniele De Rossi came out in support of Alexander Kolarov and said uh, that he uh, he would like the fans to follow his example and uh, forgive Kolarov and um, move on because you know Kolarov is a great guy and he's a, a he's a consummate professional and you know I'm paraphrasing but that was along the lines of what he said and I thought that was really good and really important from a captain to come out and say something like that um, and promote some unity when you know this team really needs some kind of stability at the moment um, and uh, yeah I just think that was really important. Yeah, and for every anyone who doesn't know, there was a bit of a bit of a not I wouldn't say a scuffle, but. Um, Manolas Kolarov, they sort of got into it with a couple of fans um, at the train station before the the match against Fiorentina, <laughs> and as we all saw, that went brilliantly. So, <laughs> actions completely justified. Um, but nonetheless, uh, he's been ever since then. He's been in a bit of a row uh, with the Roma supporters and. Some didn't take too kindly after he scored against uh, Kievo at the weekend. He took a bow in front of the away section. Um, and he didn't know whether that was sarcastic or if he was being sincere. Uh, he took a bit of abuse at, uh, for, for doing that. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Chloe. He had his house but defeated as well, did he not? He, he did. And also, um, there was a, a not-so-nice spray paint, uh, spray-painted message from one of the, <laughs> the Ultra groups that called him a Croatian. Uh, which, oh, dear she Lord. isn't? I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, it, it's never... It's, <laughs> It's never a dull moment in Italian football. And and the beauty of this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chloe, but I don't see like these spray painted like messages in any other country. I don't see it in England. No. I don't see it in France. I mean, only in, in Italy do we have these things where a, a spray painted message from a, a fan can somehow turn into a newspaper headline. There's, um, there's, um, Near the stadium in Florence, there's some pu- big public recycling bins. Um, and 
I've spray painted on one of them, which really amused me, was um, <laughs> Casa di, di Gobbi. <laughs> so basically, for those who don't speak Italian, it's a house for the Gobbi, which is a nickname for Juve. Um, derogatory, <laughs> derogatory term, like hoodie. Yeah. They, so, they call them like, yeah, um, because they used to wear, wasn't it, didn't that come from like that classic uh, uh, Juve training? Uh, like uh, they had like a really like a uh, training um like line from I think it was I think it was Diadora back then who released like this uh, training uh, training kit where where they had like these hoodies on and and people started calling them I think Gobbi di Merda and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's a few stories. There's one about them being hunchbacked because they yeah, worked true. in the Fiat factory. Yeah, something <laughs> something like that. I don't really know where it comes yeah. from, but yeah, they they say that you know how House of Juventus is in the bin. <laughs> Which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, <It's> polite. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> never a dull moment. I mean, we could have stories like this for forever. Um, I just remember, gosh, this was seven years ago um, <laughs> when Roma lost the Coppa Italia final to, to Lazio. Um, I was in Rome at the time and... There was a nice message left outside the home of Pablo Esvaldo, the now famed musician. Um, I don't know the name of his band, but he seems to be doing well. Um, But anyway, it's yeah. Every time I come across, I I come across one of those. It's it's uh, it's always fun to see how uh, supporters tend to air their grievances. Um, So, Nima, you came up with an interesting talking point for today. You wanted to discuss and this is interesting the various sporting directors in the city uh so what how, what were we going to do were we going to rank them well i mean the thing is like basically nicolo skira uh, who works for gazeta dello sport came out with a kind of a semi-exclusive that uh, monchi is not working out too well at roma uh, oh or, or, wonder what made and, him think um, that yeah, no, uh, he <laughs> no, but he he basically came out that there, there seems to be something like he's 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 not happy with what he's done and he's not happy with the two years. Uh, he's open to leaving and the club aren't going to stand in his way. So it's not a sacking or something like that, but it's more but it's more like if he wants to leave and he feels that he he maybe it's time to leave or something, you know, along those lines. It's a a nod and a wink situation. Nothing has been decided yet, but he came out with 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 that story that 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 might happen, and that Roma this time around are li- are, are have a short list of uh, of of, of um, sporting directors that they want to they want to sign they want to replace Monchi with, uh, and one and one of them was Inter's Piero Auxilio, another one was uh, Mirabelli, uh, another one was. Um, uh, Walter Sabatini making a making a return, and yeah. uh, John you must be quaking <laughs> in your boots with all these names. I think we must terrifying you. <laughs> but but there was one that I think was more terrifying for you, Chloe, and that is Pantaleo mm. Corvino. Uh, because and that is what I wanted to discuss. Because I, I I mean uh, for me Mirabelli would be talk about from the you know <laughs> jumping into a fire from the ashes i mean that would be just insane and i don't but now Celio, i do rate him but i don't think roma is the right piazza for him and a sabatini return is is just no, no. <laughs> um, like, i mean i like sabatini but not not at roma not again that, that, that you know don't don't go back no. uh, you know we, we've already established why but pantaleo corvino is is is, a, is is someone i think would do absolutely phenomenally well at Fiorentina, uh, because I think that if if Chelsea were to lose their minds and sack Maurizio Sarri, I can see a connection there. I can see a Sarri Corvino Roma, and and I'm really kind of curious. I we wanted to talk a little bit about the, this with with both of you guys and hear what you guys think about it. Uh, what do you make of that? Do you, first of all, do you if uh, Monchi were to leave, what, what are your thoughts on Corvino, John? I'm very split on him. Cor- uh, Chloe probably has a much higher opinion of him than maybe I do. I, I'm just assuming it could be wrong, but um, I don't know because it did not go well at Bologna. It was terrible, frankly. Um, they did not leave on amicable terms. Now, the the problem that people have with Monchi is it's not finding talent. I mean, I think we could all agree he could find talent, but um, it's building a team. 
And that's sort of the knock that uh, Walter Sabatini had. Um, yeah. He replaced, Chloe, you know him well, Prade. And mm. while I, I knew, see, I was waiting for that. It exasperated. He, um, he is, I will have the, my fury <laughs> forever for um, Sergei Milinkovic Savic was inside Fiorentina Stadium ready to sign that contract, and Prade messed it up. And then he went to Lazio. So thanks very much <laughs> for that. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That um, that sounds nothing like him because this is a guy who said he wanted to work in the Premier League for a club like Spurs and is now at Udinese. <laughs> fifth different club um, in the same number of years. But anyway, I think they need a guy who can build a team. I, I'm not worried about unearthing gems. That was a problem with Sabatini. That was and is the problem with Monchi. They need someone who can build a team. Now, Corvino looks like he can do that. Um, but I have some trepidations. I I don't know. I Part of me thinks that they have to look perhaps outside of Italy. I don't know who that would be. I don't know who would fit the bill. Um, because I do think that that Monchi has, frankly, surprised, I think, by the amount of abuse that he's taken. Now, I do think a lot of it is rather unfair. But given the resources that he has, I think he's he should have done a much better job by this point, especially this past summer. I thought this past summer was not anywhere near what it should have been. So I don't know. I, I mean, if uh, Covino were to arrive, I wouldn't be upset. But I, I think don't know. he would. Upset, I mean, I think he would upset guys? people in Rome. I think you know he's 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 very. Um, I guess he's a bit like Maurizio Sarri in the fact don't expect to for him to make friends. He's he's cantankerous and he's uh, bad tempered in in that way. And and you know the. the Della Valle is the owner of owners of Fiorentina love him because he doesn't care about being the bad guy. He doesn't care to tell Fiorentina fans, well, yeah, you know, yeah. we're sell we're selling, you know, all the fan favourites because they're too old uh, and they're on too much money and, you know things things have been handled very badly in that way and, and Corvino has been happy to to be the bearer of bad news. So, you know, although he's He's absolutely can't fault him in the players that he's brought in and the team that he's built for Fiorentina. He he's not personable in his uh, you know in his manner at all. Um, I think that is exactly what Roma need. I mean, if you look at Roma, I think there's some there's, if, if there's anything that that I think the Totti debacle towards those last few years kind of taught us is the fact that no one can take the no one wants to play the bad guy and it ends up blowing up yeah in everyone's, everyone's a bit too nice i guess yeah no because of they're afraid of what the repercussions will have pantaleo corvino is 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 if, if sari is an elephant then corvino is a mammoth on uh i don't like a like a, a hundred three thousand times <laughs> yeah 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 live on the earth. yeah he just does not care he he has his ideas he knows what he wants and he gets it done and he does not care if he look if it makes him look bad no but to 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 john's point if there's anyone who can build a team it is that man um, well, he's proved he, that Fiorentino. He, he's, you know, they sold pretty much everybody. Everyone, there were probably everyone, everyone. there were probably only five first teamers left at the club, something like that, and probably some of them have even gone now. Uh, and he he built the new team full of all young players. So you know, he's proven that he's done it. And he's done it twice at Fiorentina, but I think the most important, what I find, the, his, his probably his greatest masterpiece is his sporting director job for seven years at Lecce, when when he built that when he built that team uh, with, with I mean the the players he bought uh, there the 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 Berbatovs the Ledesmas the Vucinic the Shevantons the Boginovs the. Um, um, uh, I mean, no, uh, you know, he didn't, sorry, he didn't sign Berbatov. Uh, it was very close. Uh, but no, but what I'm saying, like, he, he can build teams with, with, with very limited resources and he can, he, he can do it with, with, with getting the right man and the right coach, uh, in there. And if, if we look at Prandelli, if we look at the coaches he's had, he does like, I mean, Sarri to me would be, that that would be a match in heaven, wouldn't it? I mean, the only problem would be if 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 a if a big elephant and a giant mammoth could 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 could, could work together. That that would be that's the only worry there. But I think in terms of football ideology, 
and and in terms of um of, of, of how they would fit together on paper i think they are a match yeah I, I agree uh, because sari's got such a clear idea of what he wants and yeah, corvino could um, find the players that he wants but maybe yeah. this is just a completely hypothetical idea but maybe if if monchi did stay and sari suddenly became available and roma did take him um maybe that would help monchi out because if if Di Francesco is is inexperienced and he's not quite sure of the kind of players that he wants, it might have been a bit more difficult. But Sari Sari does know and he has a clear system and he has a clear idea of the players that he'd he'd need and that might give Monty a hand in, you know, turning things around and signing the right kinds of players. You know? Yeah, I mean part of me still thinks that if there is one sporting director in the city are currently, like if I just had a rank, who's most likely, I still think Daniele Fagiano at Parma would be one of the names that Palotta would look at. But a lot of this is you're coming into a club that, and this is going to sound probably a bit harsh, is essentially a bit of a plaything for Palotta. One of his good friends, Alex Zeka. He oversees all of the sporting at Roma. He has no football experience. He is a hedge fund guy. So you have to be working with him. And I don't know how that sits with some of your typical, you know, Italian sporting directors. So I don't know. But I mean, wouldn't, I mean, I if think, you think about it nowadays, if, um, Corvino isn't even the sporting director. He's the director of football. So, so you could maybe have a situation where, uh, you would have uh, would he would be the director of football like like have a much more like have a higher position higher up and then completely run uh, the club and let Palotta just be the, the 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 flamboyant crazy little guy that comes and you know that that tries to build a stadium that never gets built I mean you know no but you know what I mean like that that kind of a, and jumps in the fountain and, yeah. and, and you know like what I mean like that kind of a like that kind of a character uh, that he can be more more kind of like that a bit more like Ferrero at Sampdoria where where Ostil runs everything and 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 um, you have uh, Ferrero there kind of like as a showman pretty much well Nima in the last 5 years there's been a name that has terrified me every time he's been linked to an open sporting director job at Roma and I've seen it at least 3 to 5 times over the last handful of years and I um, sometimes I'll wake up in the night with like a, a sweat because I get so nervous of this happening. And I, I, I think you may know who I'm talking about. Marco Branca. Oh, you said the name. Uh, look, uh, Marco Branca is, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> if he has money, he, 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 he's, he's good. But then again, who is not good when a sporting director when you have money? But I mean, I, I think his, his weaknesses is, is best exemplified by, when Marco Branca, after the treble in the 2011-2012 season, I think it was, um, when when things have really gone pear-shaped, uh, when Gasparini was there, and you have, and you, and you have um, this guy go up against my favorite sporting director of the past 20-30 years, Pierpaolo Marino, who's at Atalanta. I mean, talk about taking the cow to the market and coming back with three magic beans. He sells Livaya. And I think eight million for half, uh, and gets half of the rights to Skeletto. I mean, talk about getting, you know, having someone run run around you, uh, like run circles around you. No, Marco Branca would be. I mean, <laughs> if Roma are in trouble, it, it it would be a disaster without. I mean, I can understand why you wake up in the middle of the night with scared, uh, witless when that name is connected to. Roma, because I think that would be an unmitigated disaster of biblical proportions. To be, honest. I mean that <laughs> those transfer market sessions that he had from the treble to when he left in 2014 is the only. Are, I, I, I mean, it's just a. Uh, it's almost like a, a, a comedy show. His, we don't need jokes. We just need to look at the list. His, he's the only sporting director that I have ever, ever known that has, when you want to get rid of Cassano, okay, that was a special situation. But but the, the, his way of counting was that, look, the, the, that's, that, that, that swap deal he made with Parma for Belfodil, uh, I think it was, who else was it? It was Ishak Belfodil, 
and and some other players where he gave them Casano pretty much like please just take him take him have him have that have the couch have the car have the keys to my you know what I mean like and and, the, and he got like absolutely nothing for it he he really is bad he really is bad um and he doesn't work well under pressure uh, as he showed at Inter he was it was just a complete disaster but he was a good friend of Angel Mario Moratti the son of Massimo Moratti um and and I think he was severely criticized for that uh, as well that you know you've only got this job because you're friends with the Moratti family and and he was he was sacked after the 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 debacle with uh, by Eric Tohir uh, during the debacle with uh, Freddy Guarin um uh, where Freddy Guarin um it was where somebody came up with the, with the. I mean, to this day, though, to, to Branca's defense, no one no one has admitted who who is behind it. But basically, um, the, the, someone at Inter came up with the with a genius idea to swap Freddy Guarin, who was then the only player Inter had who was worth some money. Oh, this was a brilliant story. We could talk about this one for half an hour. Yeah, it was it was it was it was, it was a pretty interesting day for me because I was the one who broke that story. Uh, that was a really crazy day. But yeah, basically what happened was that Guarín uh, was going to Juventus. Someone came up with a brilliant idea that they should send the player that Inter can actually get the most money for to Juventus in exchange for Miko Vucinic, <laughs> who was the man, <laughs> the 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 man, the myth, the yeah, legend, who was so. Who was so deep in in Antonio Conte's freezer that it was he was you know it was he, he hadn't seen the pitch for months, and when this came out, uh, when this when this uh, leaked in the media that they wanted to do this, Inter fans all went complete like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. The the backlash and the and and the and the and the abuse that Inter took that day was was that was never that never happened before, and then Eric Tohir. Um, the story that I broke was that, you know, when everyone was reporting that it was done, I, I broke the story that it wasn't done, that Eric Tohir had actually backed down. And uh, instead, uh, he uh, he pulled the plug on that deal. I mean, Guarín, you have to understand, Guarín was in Juventus HQ in Turin, ready to sign a contract. And Vucinic was in Milan, in Inter's headquarters, ready to sign his contract. And and wasn't it, wasn't Guarín <laughs> so set on this move? Didn't he lock yeah. himself? Yeah, he, mm. yeah, yeah. He was, he was, and and it was a complete, totally a normal, complete, complete shit show. Um, where, 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 like, and but that ended <laughs> ended speaking up because I mean that was he'd just become the president and owner to hear them, and messing with Juventus because Juventus completely lost the plot there, and 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 they were really really angry at this. At this situation, but that that only made Inter fans like Eric Tohir because when you annoy Juventus to the point where they where they lose their marbles, that only speaks to your favor. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as you spite Juventus and piss them off, you're okay, you're fine. Um, and, and then he went off and bought Hernanes instead of Rajana Ingolan. So, <laughs> which 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 is just pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> which which says everything you want to know about that man and the knowledge that he has about football. So, but no, but but Marco Branca was was sacrificed that day uh, as as the person behind all of this. Uh, which he, which I mean, I'm sure he was. But this, I I think that was just you know that was just a, a way to get rid of the 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 Moratti influence to uh, by Tohir as well. Veering back to present day, the matches this weekend again. Um, we've got a much better slate than this past weekend. So Juve Frozenone, nah, no thank you. Cagliari Parma, uh, no thank you. Uh, but Atalanta Milan, wow, wow, does that one have many, many, many implications? What are we expecting? Um, I, I, I think this is the real test for Milan if they are the good thing because they've looked so well ever since Paqueta, Paqueta and Piontek come in. They, they have these lines and these movements and their attack looks so natural and and, and easygoing. And but but I think this is a test. Uh, and they're at home as well. So Milan aren't really a finished product yet. Well, as Atalanta look like they are the finished product. This is the prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, for me, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's an early test for Gattuso's Milan to see if they are ready to challenge for that fourth spot. But if, if Atalanta do what they did against Juventus and what they did against Inter and what they can do at home, this could be ugly for Milan. And then Nima, we've got Samp in your club, but 
I don't know if any, but this was a very sneaky result. Um, Sampdoria lost to Frozenone. But isn't that what we said in the, like the very first episode of this pod? That the problem with Giampaolo and Samparini, sorry, with with with, with Sampdoria and, and Giampaolo is the is the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing that they can beat Napoli at home and destroy them, and then they lose to Frosinone at home. But but then again, you never really know. Sampdoria can turn up. I mean, last season, Inter until the 67th minute ran riot, and then two 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 quick goals, and all of a sudden it was a game again. Gabbiadini always does well against Inter. Uh, he has a record of scoring against Inter. Um, I had a thought and, though um, about about Sam and yeah. about Gabbiadini that actually they've they've already got a player in Saponara who um, is a little bit mentally weak and a little bit up and down. Um, he has good days and bad days. Some days he's brilliant. Some days he's not. And then. I, I saw that against Frosinone, they started him with Gabbiadini, who is another player that is struggles with consistency the same. And, uh, you know, if they both have a bad day at the same time, then I don't know. I'm, I'm just not overly sure that Gabbiadini and Sapanara are a good combination. No, they're not, and 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 I think when, but that's the thing. It is the consistency thing, and and that that is the problem. And I think I think that's where um, I think that's what's. Uh, but then again, you don't know because you don't really know who's turning up. Uh, is is Qualiarella going to have one of those Qualiarella days, or is he going to have one of his poorer days? I mean, is is, is I mean, Albin Ektal has been brilliant. Uh, he he looked really poor against Frosinone. Um, is he going to have a good... I mean, it, it really depends. It's, it's Sampdoria are just such an enigma to me. It's just impossible. I mean, it's basically the two the two, you know, two teams that are known to be Dr. Jekylls and Mr. Hyde that are facing off at the San Siro. And Inter, you know, you have to understand on Thursday, Inter play a rapid Vienna away in the Europa League uh, as well. Um, so this I, I say... And you know the game Inter have, might have gone a little bit of respite after winning against Parma, but a poor result against Rapid Vienna away, and hello, Mister Crisis. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's they're just such an interesting side because, and oddly enough, that that victory for Frozenone. I mean, now, frankly, I thought they were dead and buried. They were for sure going to make the drop, but I mean, if you look at the table now, they are right in the thick of that battle for relegation. Um, obviously, Kievo far at the bottom, but you have Frozenoni at 16, Empoli at 18, Bologna at 18, Utenese at 19, and then Cagliari at 21. So what looked like two teams for short making the drop, Frozenoni gets a massive win, and now they're right there again. Yeah. They really are, and 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 Frosinone, they, they they seem to be like the, they really are the ugly duckling of this city, aren't they? Like, it's 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 nobody wants them, nobody like you know, they, nobody everyone counts them out, but then they keep surprising over and over and over again, and um, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. That, I mean, now obviously this weekend they're playing away against Juventus at the Juventus Stadium, uh, who you know. The only thing that speaks for them is the fact that Juve played the Champions League the following week, um, so the game is already going to be played on a Friday. But but I I just don't see anything else other than Juve controllingly winning this game um, on the Friday. And it was interesting, uh, Chloe uh, Marco Sportiello, the goalkeeper of uh, formerly of Fiorentina, yeah. Atalanta, had a phenomenal performance. And I've got to say, I was shocked Fiorentina didn't buy him permanently me too I it's a difficult one um they had this chance to get Alban Lafont and he you know is this promising youngster the the person they've called the French Don Rummer um and you know Fiorentina have got a chance to get him before everybody else decides they want him and I think they couldn't afford to pay him and Sportiello, but it was really, really sad. I, I didn't want Sportiello to go. He was a really good keeper, you know, and he's, he's, he certainly is, is better than a club like Frosinone with no disrespect to them. I think he could play for a club much higher up the table than, than that. And as he proved with Fiorentina, there was a game against Roma, in fact, when he, he, he played out of his mind. Uh, last season, I seem to remember. Um, mm. Yeah, and he's, you know, 
it, it was a real shame to see him go, but I think he was just a victim of circumstance. But Lafont, La I gotta say, he was. I think he was the man of the match against uh, Napoli. Sure, sure, you know, sure, sure. Napoli missed a lot of sitters, but Lafont's saves. Some of them were just unbelievable. I mean, I think he was probably his best game so far. He's, he's, he, you know, he's. He's learning in front with everybody's eyes on him. He's he's straight into the first team and he's still only so young and he has made mistakes. It's, there's definitely been mistakes this season. Um, but he's proven that mm. he has got the talent and, you know, he will keep on improving, I think. Corvino. Corvino, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Corvino. Yeah, I think, I think it will serve as well in the long term, to be honest, that we got him. But I think that's where we'll leave it. We uh, will be back next week. Again, thank you to everyone who's been listening. If you could do the same thing as we've asked in the previous two episodes, like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff that on all the various platforms that you're listening to us on, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, and until next week, we will talk to you then.